Welcome to Conversations with the Marketplace, brought to you by the passionate practitioner consultants of Warbird Consulting Partners. Our conversations with the marketplace are designed to provide access to innovative and entrepreneurial financial leaders from across the country. We hope that by listening to their experiences, you might take away a few items that can shorten the learning curve, be easily implemented, and facilitate financial improvement at your organization. Our goal is to educate, entertain, offer new perspectives, and inspire you to take action. Without further delay, welcome to the conversation. Welcome to this special masterclass presentation brought to you by the Financial Advisory and Debt Management Practice Group at Warbird Consulting Partners. My name is Ryan Sprinkle and welcome to this masterclass conversation with the marketplace. Our guest today is Ian Hamill, a partner at Mintz Levin. We are here today as part of our ongoing masterclass series with industry experts concerning healthcare finance matters particularly given the issues hospital organizations now face as the result of the ongoing pandemic. Our goal in this masterclass series is to provide you with access to innovative and entrepreneurial financial leaders from across the country. It is our hope that by listening to their experiences, you might take away a few items that can shorten the learning curve, be easily implemented, and facilitate financial improvement at your organization. We want to thank you for trusting us with your most valuable resource, your time. Warbird Consulting Partners is composed of passionate practitioner consultants. Our team has decades of experience performing every function within the financial management of hospitals and health systems. This seasoned experience allows us to relate and empathize with the concerns, opportunities, and frustrations that hospital leaders and team members experience. Warbird's Financial Advisory and Debt Management Practice Group has worked with hospitals of every type and size. This diverse experience enables our practitioners to customize solutions that fit your culture, address your specific situations, and satisfy the needs of your various stakeholders. One of the benefits of working with hospitals from across the country is meeting skilled experts who are committed to providing the best advice, counsel and strategies to healthcare organizations to ensure their financial viability and long-term growth. I'm thrilled today to speak with one such person, Ian Hamill. As a very brief introduction for Ian, he is a member of the Mintz 11 bankruptcy and restructuring team. Mintz 11 is an industry leader in advising lenders in financial distress situations, particularly in situations involving municipal debt. Ian represents indentured trustees, bondholders, note holders, and other sophisticated creditors in bankruptcy, receivership, and other out-of-court and in-court matters. Ian's experience spans across a broad range of industries, including healthcare, hospitality, manufacturing, transportation, education, energy, and nonprofits. Among other healthcare engagements, Ian has over the past 15 years represented indenture trustees and bondholders in resolving acute care hospital bond defaults in over a dozen states, including multiple acute care hospital bankruptcy matters. Welcome Ian, and thank you for being here today with us. Well, Ryan, thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's begin today, Ian's conversation by having you for the benefit of the audience 
explain your role as a legal advisor in a healthcare organization with a loan situation. You know, more, more specifically, when do you get involved typically with a hospital credit? So thanks, Ryan. The bulk of my work involves organizations under at least some level of financial distress. And while every situation is different, I often get involved when a company has violated or is at risk of violating its financial covenants. Now, the most common covenants are either long-term liquidity concerns like a debt service coverage ratio or short-term liquidity concerns such as a day's cash covenant. I sometimes get involved earlier and I sometimes get involved much later when the liquidity concerns have become acute. To be perfectly upfront with you and folks that are listening today, the best time for someone like me to get involved is early. You acknowledged in your introductory remarks about how precious time can be as a resource, and that is absolutely true in a financial distress situation. Getting involved early often gives us more opportunities to avoid more serious levels of distress And if the organization has more fundamental, longer-term systemic issues, an earlier intervention may give us a longer runway, which may help drive a better outcome for the organization and its mission and its stakeholders and its creditors. Ian, I, I love that analogy of a runway. And one of the things I think about when we're working with healthcare organizations is that some of these situations, client situations, maybe trying to land a, a jet from a commercial airport and another maybe trying to land a jet onto a uh, aircraft carrier out in the middle of the Pacific. But the regardless of which situation a client may be in, it, it takes a lot of folks to help safely and successfully land a plane. When you're working with healthcare organizations like those that, that you've described, Does that typically involve uh, members of the management team and other professionals, maybe more specifically, and for the benefit of of our listeners, can you describe some of the ways that the the right team plays a critical role in in addressing the organization's situation and ultimate success? Yeah, absolutely. And Ryan, I'm going to give you a few remarks that I make to both uh, organization and lender audiences. The outcome for the organization and for the lenders may depend a lot on having the right team. Part of that needs to be a good team on the organization side, but I would also say that part of that needs to be a good team on the lender side as well. And we all too often come into a healthcare distress situation and find that there can be significant gaps in those teams. Is there a certain right time for you and that team to become involved? Yeah, as I indicated, Ryan, it's it's important that we get involved as early as we can in the process. And it's equally important that we make sure that there's some focus given on who those team members are going to be, because having at least a good start on that is going to be a big factor on how the process proceeds. So It may seem obvious that an organization in distress needs to have people on their side leading the charge. Too often, we find, uh, particularly with smaller organizations, that they may try to lead with the business team and without involving professionals. 
Other times an organization will do an inch better. They'll turn to maybe an existing trusted professional as the backbone. Sometimes that existing trusted professional may be someone that handles other organization legal needs. I've encountered situations where I'm put in front of the hospital's real estate lawyer or its corporate counsel or maybe a specialist that assists the organization in its healthcare regulatory compliance issues. And all of those people may be very smart and very talented. Many of them have a deep experience and knowledge about uh, different relationships within the organization and its mission. They may or may not also have uh, the needed skill set to address interactions with a lender group when you have a financial distress situation. Similarly, I've encountered situations where the organization brings forward the underwriter that placed the organization's funded debt. And again, these trusted advisors are very important members of the team. They provide context to the organization's history, their priority as, priorities as an organization, etc. But it's extremely, extremely important for the organization to have someone guiding them that has an understanding of the workout process. And it's extremely important to have someone that's business-minded and may be able to help the organization focus on broad priorities and some bonus points if they have an understanding of finance matters. If the organization does not have the right team on its side, the process may drift without resolution. If the organization does not have the right team, time that could be used working to stabilize or remedy the situation may be wasted, and time that could be used to maximize the runway for the organization to find a third party to help the organization at least continue its mission could also be lost. What other gaps have you seen in, in engagements past or just based off the accumulation of your experience that'd be helpful for, for folks to hear from you about today? Absolutely. So uh, I've been focusing for the last couple of minutes on the borrower side. I would note the importance of also having the right team on the lender side. And my comments here are particularly relevant to situations where the organization has outstanding bond debt. So any successful outcome is going to require the right indenture trustee to help drive the process into onboard the right counsel. There's often little or no attention directed to the choice of indenture trustee when a new bond issuance is made. However, I would tell you there is a wide spectrum of experience between corporate trustee shops when a workout becomes necessary. And there's a wide spectrum among corporate trustee shops in their willingness to work towards a practical solution. And very often I find myself in a situation where I'm telling people that an effective resolution of a default is going to require two proactive participants. If you have an indenture trustee that's not experienced in the workout process, the process will take longer. It will cost more. And the parties may spend a lot of time on procedural and gatekeeping issues rather than getting to the guts of the problem, trying to set some goalposts and then driving towards those. Similarly, if you have an indenture trustee that doesn't have a reputation for being proactive, the effort to move forward to address the situation may also be harmed. So 
you may need to evaluate the corporate trustee role as part of your planning exercise when an organization starts to drift into some financial distress and evaluate whether you really have the right counterparty to the anticipated negotiation, goal setting, and ultimate workout process. Now, to be very clear, having a good team is not the only driver. There are features of any workout that are beyond the control of the parties. Some organizations, we hope, will stabilize and they'll return to full compliance. Some organizations will need to find a strategic partner to continue their mission. Some organizations, unfortunately, may fail. There's also obviously a natural tension between a borrower and a lender. All of the parties have their respective roles. You can expect that there will be disagreements about important issues, but an experienced team on each side will also know how to ultimately steer the matter to some exit. So when I talk about the right team, I'm talking about putting the organization into a posture where it's increasing the likelihood that there will be a better, more successful outcome. Maybe just to to drill down a bit and provide some tangible illustrations for for folks listening today, can you identify some examples of of these dynamics in practice? Yeah, absolutely. I I could mention uh, two or three specific ones. These are obviously anecdotes, but they nonetheless, I think, are are good illustration of some of these principles in action. And and again, while they're unique attributes to every workout situation, uh, this is a theme that I see time and time again as playing a significant role in how the process is going to work. So I guess I would mention two success stories in one situation where these particular dynamics and the the failure of the parties to have the right team in place was really a problem. So the first matter involved a health system in Ohio. They had about $150 million of funded debt. They were trying to integrate an existing healthcare system with a large physicians group. The integration was more of a challenge than expected. They violated financial covenants. They were losing money. And the organization was moving in a direction that, if not corrected, would put them in a spot where the organization itself could have been imperiled. They retained a financial consultant. The consultant had experience in distress situations. The consultant identified and drove a performance improvement process. And the performance improvement process took hold. On the lender side, the organization worked with the bondholders to bring in a seasoned indenture trustee who was not involved in the original transaction. And by having effective parties on both sides, the parties worked to develop a package of document amendments that right-sized the covenants. The bondholders had the confidence that they were receiving good projections to base those covenants and amendments around. And the organization has continued to perform uh, since we completed that effort. So by onboarding the right team and doing so early, the organization was able to continue as an independent organization. My second uh, success story was a situation in California. I actually had the pleasure of working with uh, your colleague, Jordan Mellick. It involved a similar set of facts where there was an existing healthcare organization 
in that situation, what got them off track was a large construction project. Um, it's obviously a challenge to run a acute care hospital business on a day-to-day basis. It's an extraordinarily complicated business to run successfully. On top of that, the organization was also doing a large construction process. That was the basis for a roughly $130 million bond deal. Situation encountered some financial distress. In that situation, the organization onboarded a consultant and they were able to see that the organization itself was probably best served by finding a larger organization to partner with. Now, I understand completely that the prospect of losing independence is a significant decision, but the organization decided that the best chance to maintain a long-term healthcare presence in the community was to take that step. Meanwhile, there was a problem in that the organization had an indenture trustee with a reputation for being less proactive. The organization worked with bondholders in my office to replace the trustee. We ultimately concluded the process by having an A-rated 20 hospital organization acquire the facilities. The bondholders were kept whole. The organization was able to transact from a position of strength and ensure that there were contractual protections for employees and the type of services that were going to be provided on a go forward, it really wound up being a win-win for everyone. Just to round it out, my final example is about a workout that was less successful and it's more of a cautionary tale. So my office worked a few years ago on a matter involving an acute care hospital in the southeastern United States. It was showing a history of financial losses but the organization and its advisors were fiercely independent. They took the prospect of doing an affiliation completely off the table. At our urging, they did retain a consultant to assess the issue. The consultant advised them that an affiliation was their best long-term outcome. That was rejected. The consultant was dismissed. They then negotiated a management services agreement with a larger facility. 75 or 100 miles away. The organization did not run an RFP process to see if there were other options. The management services arrangement did not stem the losses. Ultimately, the borrower came back to us and agreed as an organization that they needed to go in a different direction. But by that time, however, the organization had burned through cash reserves. The sale process had to be truncated to match the available funds. The organization was being shopped under circumstances where it had materially weakened, and both the organization and the lenders came out on the losing end. Lenders came out on the losing end on pricing. The organization came out on the losing end because it was unable to negotiate terms for continued community representation on the board and unable to negotiate terms for the maintenance of desired service lines or for continued employment by employees. We did get a resolution in that matter, but I continue to believe that a stronger team could have led us to a better result. Yeah, that last story certainly is is sobering. I know a number number of times the comment we frequently hear from clients is, "Wish we had had called you all two years ago." It is entirely possible to wait too late, suffer a material change in your circumstances, and and that really eliminate or sharply reduce the number of strategic options that that you have available. 
Regardless, though, of where an organization is at in its financial and operational position, you know, one of the things that you know, we've commonly seen is the importance of trust across the, the broader stakeholder group and read stakeholders as you know, not just those internal to the hospital, but external as well, whether that's local related county governments or your work frequently shows bondholders. Ian, with the with the limited time that we have remaining with us today, could you talk to us for a few moments about the importance of bondholder trust when an organization is facing a covenant violation or some other measure of financial distress? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and this is an issue which is also near and dear to me and something that uh, I talk to uh, both lender and organization groups when uh, when I'm given an opportunity to. And I, I guess my big takeaway on this point is that it is almost always a better outcome when the organization is proactive in its outreach to and work with its lenders, including bondholders and bond trustees. It's always best, of course, when an organization borrows money and then they perform on that debt for 30 years. Uh, they repay the debt without a hitch or they ultimately do another uh, long-term refinancing to take out the whatever debt is remaining. That's, of course, the goal, but things don't always work out that way. I work on plenty of situations where the organization is encountering a situation where it's in some level of distress. It's either in a default situation or close to one, but the organization nonetheless just pushes out interim financial information as required by its loan documents. If there is some violation, they may truthfully report it, but they'll sit back and they'll wait for the bondholders, the bond trustee, or whoever is in the lender position to react. It's entirely possible that the organization under those circumstances is acting within the letter of its reporting obligations under that protocol. But I can't tell you how many times a more proactive approach has made a difference in getting to a resolution that works for both sides. Now, again, to my comments of a, a moment ago, a borrower and a lender will not always agree on the methods for addressing a default. It is, however, a bit of a forced marriage. And the party's ability to find a shared solution can be helped or it can be hurt by the organization's approach. And when an organization shows a desire for partnership with its lenders, and when it works to build a relationship of trust, it is likely the process will run more smoothly for both. And it is likely the lenders may be more open-minded about solutions that show more deference to the organization and more deference to the management team when there is a relationship built on trust. And what are, what are some examples of ways that organizations can take that proactive stance uh, when they're in situations like the ones we've been discussing today? Yeah, absolutely happy to provide some examples. And you know, just as kind of a, a broad reminder or takeaway, a lot of this is, is just relationship 101. Be prepared that as an organization that you and your lender group may have some difficult conversations, but be hopeful and open-minded that you may find people that actually have a lot of the same hopes and fears 
and concerns and goals that you do as well. So one of the easiest things that an organization can do is schedule an early call with the lender group. If it's a municipal bond situation, have a public investor call. Organizations should consider these even if they're not a requirement of the loan documents. And as part of that call, the organization should tell holders what happened or what's about to happen. And they should tell the holders what the organization proposes to do in order to address the situation. And as part of this, I tell organizations all the time that they should consider seeking input from the lender team as to how the organization might proceed. All the organization is doing at this point is offering a consult. That doesn't tie the organization's hands in the first instance, it's just conversation. But looking long-term, an organization may ultimately need interim, if not longer-term relief from its lender group, and establishing a working relationship from the outset, therefore may provide more benefits to the organization than people might consider. Another easy proactive thing to do is to provide disclosures on the lender side, bondholders in particular, like information. So a very common request we make is for more frequent disclosures. If, for example, a deal is set up so that they report on a quarterly basis, we may ask the organization to pivot to monthly reporting and periodic calls for at least some period. Organizations that are willing to consider these types of incremental adjustments in a short-term or medium-term basis may find that their negotiation process goes better uh, and that they can really build the trust with the lenders that's going to be necessary in order to get to some kind of successful outcome. I'd also tie back to my comments uh, earlier on our conversation about assembling the right team. And on this point, it is important, as I mentioned before, for the organization to assemble the right team to address its issues. Doing so sooner may help. And they do not need to include every member right up front. But in taking a proactive approach with a lender and recognizing that there are different circumstances, one of the things that you might consider in, in helping to build bondholder trust is to consider the retention of consultant. Having an appropriate consultant to help the organization may identify options the organization on its own might not consider seriously. It's also an opportunity to build investor trust because a well-chosen consultant may help put the lender side more at ease, for example, that the organization is taking things seriously and identifying solutions. Uh, I would also caution that at least when dealing with consultants, this is a step that in many cases ought to be discussed with the lender group before action is taken. This consultation may be required by the loan documents already, but even if it's not, again, thinking long-term and trying to build relationships with the lender group, having the lenders feel like they are genuine partners in this process may be helpful. And also selecting a consultant that does not have the confidence of the lenders may actually complicate. Yeah, yeah and I, I would, you know, just reinforce that point, too. I know that the times where we've been requested to to come in and provide a consultant's report in the wake of a, a bond default or a technical default, those that have, have gone more smoothly for the lender and for the, the hospital organization have been those where, 
those groups have been in discussion and the decision to bring in a consultant was one that was made collectively and not done out of fear or desperation. You know, Ian, with our, with our remaining time, a few few questions here to follow up on this uh, really important point around building trust. Based on your prior experiences serving clients in these situations, can you provide any relevant examples of how hospitals have done an exceptional job of building trust with bondholders during what is honestly or can be a, a tense or potentially adverse set of circumstances? Absolutely. The California situation that I mentioned a, a few moments ago, where we wound up completing the workout by uh, having the hospital do an affiliation process, uh, that was a really good example. Early on, general counsel for the hospital and I worked hard to find common ground. And I think that really wound up being a central theme throughout throughout the process. Currently, I have a matter that's pending. It involves a uh, acute care hospital in the upper Midwest. The organization violated a financial covenant last year. They reached out to the bond trustee even before they reported the result. They organized a call with bondholders. They used the call to explain their view as to what caused the violation and what they proposed to do to address the situation. They made clear that while ultimately it was their job as the management team to ensure the interests of the organization, they wanted to find a path forward that also made sense from the bondholder side, in part because the management team was was so proactive and forthcoming and interested in partnership. We were able to negotiate a short-term, relatively light forbearance, and uh, the parties now uh, several months later, are, are assessing the timing for a more permanent solution. And because of the relationship and because of the trust that's been built, that the management team seems to have a good grasp on what the causes were and what the solution is for the covenant violation. I'm pretty confident that we're going to get there because all we're all we're discussing at this point is the when of giving them a more permanent relief, and then what it is that the deliverables are going to be as conditions precedent. Now, on the other end, I recently completed a contentious hospital workout in the Southeast. There was no real effort to do bridge building from the borrower side. There certainly was a lot of effort on the bondholder side. There was little or limited proactive behavior. The workout was marked by a lot of acrimony and the results show it. The workout process took more than two years. Both sides consumed uh, probably millions of dollars in professional fees. There wound up being court proceeding ultimately in order to resolve the situation. It is conceivable that the various steps in the expense involved uh, would have been necessary even under a more collaborative approach. But who knows? And there were certainly points where, given the toxic relationship between the parties, I'd say, and I'm not exaggerating, that the organization itself, not to mention bondholder recoveries, were imperiled. So we've now reached a resolution. Everyone's uh, kind of turned the page and and is moving on. Uh, It wound up being a resolution where the bondholders and the organization essentially got a divorce 
so they will not have an ongoing business relationship between the parties. But it would not surprise me if the parties could have reached a better outcome or at least the same outcome more quickly and at lesser expense if there had been more of an effort or at least a more successful effort in in dealing with this as a partnership and a collaborative effort to move forward as opposed to one where it was a, a very much an us versus them situation during most of the period during which the parties were attempting to find a solution. That in and of itself just demonstrates the importance of teamwork in these situations, the collaborative spirit, and just honestly, frank and frequent communication between the parties. Ian, thank you for the discussion today and your thoughtful answers. And I'm, I'm confident that our listeners will benefit from your insights thoughts and the really helpful suggestions that you've put forward today. Hopefully they can uh, take a few things back to their home hospitals and systems and use those thoughts and insights to everyone's advantage when managing debt in the midst of this current crisis. If you have any questions or want to learn more from Ian and how he might help your situation, I encourage you to reach out and get in contact with either of us. Our contact detail is listed in the presentation, but for those of you listening to today's conversation, Ian can be reached by email at I-A-H-A-M-M-E-L at Mintz, M-I-N-T-Z dot com. You can reach me at C-R Sprinkle, S-P-R-I-N-K-L-E at WarbirdCP.com. This concludes our session today with our guest, Ian Hamill from Mintz 11. On behalf of Ian and Warbird, we appreciate your listening. Thank you for joining this special conversations with the Marketplace Masterclass session provided to you as a part of the Warbird Consulting Partners educational series for hospital and health systems. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations with the Marketplace. If you have any questions about this topic, suggestions for a future podcast, or questions in general, please email us at jbain at warbirdcp.com. That's J-B-E-H-N at W-A-R-B-I-R-D-C-P dot com. Our goal is to provide content that is meaningful and represents your needs. Please visit our website at www.warbirdconsulting.com, where you can contact us directly, receive industry updates, and gain access to on-demand webinars. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and leave us a five-star review. We hope this podcast provided new perspectives and most importantly, prompts you to take action. We want Conversations with the Marketplace to be your go-to healthcare financial management podcast. Please come back soon and join us for another episode in our educational series for hospitals and hospital systems. Until then, stay well, be entrepreneurial, and take action.